You're listening to Proropod. Welcome as we, Portia the lifelong fan and Amanda the first time reader, discover the books of Agatha Christie. We are sisters who live on opposite ends of the U.S. doing a quarantine project and who love to be soothed by British murder mysteries. In this shithole of a moment in history, it's nice to have Poirot or Miss Marple solve it all. Okay, we are connected. We are recording. We are connected. We are recording. And um, you'll be happy to know that I've learned from you. So I have a glass of water and a pot of tea that I, you know, my fancy teapot and some brandy to dollop into the tea so that it's all covered. Brandy featured heavily in this book. So I think that's super <laughs> appropriate. I've, I've kind of been craving brandy, even though I'm not sure what it tastes like. <laughs> It's a Just nice so much. Every time someone's upset, they were like, "You need some brandy," and I was like, "I think I do." <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's been brandy. an upsetting week. So listeners... it has been a very emotional week, and I and then I was like listening to this book a lot, and then I was like, I need some brandy for my mental health. But <laughs> so <laughs> listeners, all you know, seven of you, when we decided there were seven, um, this the, week... what the listeners know, I was joking that I was fifty of our listeners. I'm sure we several but... more of those listeners are non Amanda's. When but... it comes to our demographics, they're not all. Am- I see you pouring this bottle of brandy. Wait, show that to show that to me, camera. That is like an impressive looking bottle. It's got a fun shape to it. But I tell you, see, brandy is nice for you know putting into teas and stuff because it's not got a harsh flavor. Um, but yeah, what's brandy made out of? Are we not allergic to it? For the um, listener, all seven of you, uh, my sister and I, <laughs> a, so we cannot have most things that are delicious. Right. Wheat. Um, so we can't have beer, but wine is fine. Uh, I have not had any problem with uh, brandy. So What's it made out of? I don't know. That's something we'd have to do research on. And, <laughs> like delicious? <laughs> and, right, uh, well, <laughs> and uh, so I, I also think that, uh, um, yeah, so it is appropriate. Especially they like kept talking about brandy in this uh, in this book. So, and uh, well, we're starting to say for our seven listeners, we are recording this um, just a few days after election day, and there has been no winner declared, and the entire world is waiting. <laughs> the entire world is waiting, <laughs> and we're all stress eating. Oh, the, speaking of stress eating, the other th- improvement this episode, um, besides your multiple beverages, is um, I could tell in the last episode that um, I was part of the problem with my headphones um, and the way they <laughs> rustled against me or my activities. So uh, today I am wearing a wireless headset so that Portia can see me looking like I'm playing like Fortnite. Yeah, well, now that's like the cool thing to do. Since we're all working remotely, we all have these kinds of things. It helps. Yeah, and that yeah. So uh, I'm trying that um, to, see, to make sure there's. A, and I also have my looking chocolate. You're. I am. A, look, we need all the comfort right now. We do. So. Um, so tonight. We, today we are discussing the Sitterford mystery. Because this is not just a blog about beverages and elections. It's also... <laughs> it's about Agatha Christie. Oh, we forgot a, even to say the, the name, though. Agatha Christie books. We forgot to say yeah. the name of our podcast. It's, 
Well, the, the intro that I'm going to edit in is going to say listening to Praropod. But yes. But, yeah, welcome to Praropod. It is The Sidiford Mystery. Which apparently was published in England under the murder at Hazelmore. No, no, in U.S. it was the murder of Hazelmore. My first question was like, why was that more attractive to a U.S. audience? The murder at Hazelmore versus the Cineford Mystery? I couldn't figure out like... I've never heard of either places. Or is Cineford like offensive to a U.S. audience? Is there a reason? I have no idea. Because either one, I'm like, I don't know. According to uh, the Internet Wisdom, this was the first book that had a different title for U.S. market, but I couldn't tell why Murder at Hazelmore versus Sidiford Mystery was more attractive to a one audience or another. Um, but as I you could not tell you introduced it last week, is that Sidiford uh, is a tiny village. Is this a real place? No idea. Okay, um, I mean, Dartmoor is like, but I don't know. A- tiny village um in the dead of winter and so it's kind of the opposite of the one we just read where they were on the coast and it was the middle of summer right so this is a a deep winter in the middle of nowhere right in a small 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 village and the premise of the murder is interesting but and fairly simple so there's really really by the way one of the major themes and we'll get back to this is apparently everybody a lot of people in Dartmoor were single men who lived alone or with their servant (laughs) yeah there was a lot it was kind of like we talked about in the other ones with Miss Marple there was like all the old biddies or whatever Mm -hmm. and this was like the man version of that there was no unmarried old women oh there was one there was one but but um but yeah, it was this place was full of like busybody old men versus right. old women, and um, it kind of continued the theme from the last one of a uh, like a m- woman hating old man, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because uh, that was the reason that the the whole thing with the legacy with the nephew in the last book, and the same thing here where there was like a woman hating old man. Who's by the um, way? How do you say his name? Star. Because I've. I didn't read it. I, I listened to it. I read it. So Trevelin, Trevian, how do you say his name? Okay. Captain Trevelyan. <laughs> I had to Trevelyan. think about it. I had to think okay. about like how you that... listen to it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's that Hugh Fraser guy that now like you made me realize this actual Hastings. So now I'm like, I need to hear it in Hastings voice. It's Captain Trevelyan. Although what's interesting about this book. Okay. So, so to set the background for the book, it's 1931, according to the wikipedias and um it's neither a praro nor a miss marple or nor any of our friends right there's nobody we know and nobody we meet again it does have several young people who are involved in solving it um and uh but yeah and then there's like yeah the inspectors but like none of them are familiar right and do we not meet them again either we don't mean any of these people. But only again. people. Yeah. So it's neither. It's none of our normal heroes. But uh, yeah, Captain Trevelyan. So he. And the version I listened to was was narrated by Hugh Fraser. Nice. He's got a nice voice. So he's got. A, and he's so good at all the different voices and everything. Yeah, the accents. So Captain Trevelyan was a well-off former soldier who ten years ago had 
built a nice big house, like a house on the manor. So obviously he built it in the 20s. And then he built how many cottages? Ten? Six. Six. Six cottages around it. And in that's this how place called get... Sittaford. So he brought, yeah. So he built his brand new home um, with a designer. And since he was a confirmed bachelor, they built it with like no closets. <laughs> um, right, which they discussed. Yeah. And then they, and then, yeah, he built six little cottages that he then sold or rented. And, um, and it's kind of interesting because it's such an old British, like Lord of the Manor kind of thing, only set much more recent. Like, can you imagine somebody saying, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a big house and then build several little houses and then um, sell them to people around me or rent them where they sold or rented both oh okay so there was a combination so like obviously well like they never said what his friend um major burnaby he just said he gave like that he was living in it but he never said he sold it to him i think the rest of them he sold but he might have just been like letting it to him or letting him live there but i think the rest of them he sold so yeah like his oldest friend was another soldier named major burnaby who lived in number one and then there was a bunch of random people, several of them bachelor old men, and then one uh, older single woman um, who were in the other in the cottages. And then uh, Trevelyan had rented his house for the year. Was it a whole year? Well, so far it had only been like yeah, a couple months. But it was supposed to be a year. I think it was supposed to be for the winter. I'm not even sure how long the lease was. Oh, yeah. But anyway, and so they requested that they could rent a house in the middle of Dartmoor, in the middle of nowhere. Um, and he, uh, so Trevelyan, apparently, one thing about him is that he had, was very successful in business. And he was apparently uh, very, um, but she uses some more British phrases, just discussing that he. He was um, fond of money. He was tight. Tight. They called him. Tight, but in <laughs> but in this case, what we mean is he doesn't want to give away his money. Right, right. He was tight with his money, and um, so when this woman was like, "I'll rent your house," he's like, uh, "Right." Okay. So this woman and her daughter, so a young a young woman and her mother, who um, were arriving from they South, South Africa. Africa. Yeah, and they they um, are clearly like very well to do. They describe their clothing as very stylish and wealthy and all the things so they come and like they rent this huge house manor which he wasn't even intending to rent but they just threw so much money at the real estate agency and were like give us the big house in whatever region and so the real estate agent reached out to him and he was like i mean for that much money sure so he rented a small place six miles away in the in the town right so which is apparently down the hill that's important. It's down right. the hill. Six miles um, with like some rugged terrain downhill. So, um, and then, uh, but apparently this mother and daughter, even though they live. Whose live, names moved, are Willet. Willet, Violet, and I can't, Violet's the young woman. I don't know the mom. But Mrs. they, Willet. Um, even though they moved to the middle of nowhere in the winter, they're incredibly friendly and they're inviting over to their house all the time. 
Yeah, they're Which, always having course, everyone over. They're telling him he should act like he should live there, even though he like is always being about hating women a lot. <laughs> he doesn't want to come over. And then, um, and they're inviting all the neighbors over. And as we mentioned, a lot of the neighbors are old bachelor men who are afraid of women. And these women are like, come over all or the time. Or the ones that aren't afraid of women, but are just weird women. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is one of the things about how masculinity has changed. And how I kind of feel like we've come full circle. And I'm going to talk about sexuality for a second. And it's going to relate. I promise. Okay, normally I just talk about sexuality and I don't introduce it in a creepy way. <laughs> well, but so here's the thing. Portia's officially crossed over into mom because she said, I'm going to talk about sexuality for a minute. And then it's like we as the audience go into like um, talking to Jim Carrey as Joe Biden. Like, is it going to be weird? <laughs> totally. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. It used to be that men and women could hang out with each other and it wasn't assumed that there was any sexuality involved. Like I remember noticing In what time period are you referring this used to be times? This time. So let me give you another example from the 1930s. Um, The movie Gone with the Wind, which has a lot of issues in it. (laughs) And it is a great way of... That's an extreme example to bring up. Okay. and um, I've actually never seen it. Oh, yeah? I have shown parts of it. I've never been like, tonight's a Saturday night to watch the racism. So I just never, I never (laughs) seen it. Well, I've done it in U.S. history class where I've shown a clip of it where they're basically justifying the creation of the Ku Klux Klan, but they never say those words. And the episode of Roots where they show the creation of Ku Klux Klan and then mm-hmm. have my kids kind of explain that from each point of view, it's like, what the heck? So um, anyway, so it's a fascinating historiography lesson. But there's a scene. Is that a word? Yes. Yes, it is. Wait, historiography. How, what is, okay, it means history the word. of how history is written. That is so cool. Yeah. That is so for- necessary. Yeah. Historiography. Yeah. There's so many words with XX suffixes that I do not like, but that one is working for me. Historiography. Yeah. The, because the study of how we make history. Right. Because, of course, how history has Love been Love a suffix has... when it's not excessively applied. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but there's a scene unrelated to any of this where um, the young woman in Gone with the Wind and her sisters and other women have they fall asleep and they all fall asleep next to each other. And so if I showed, I I think I showed that scene ended up. So my teenagers saw it and they all said, ew, they're all sleeping next to each other. Even though there was absolutely nothing sexual about the scene, it was just a group of people who had fallen asleep, but they're because of this acknowledgement So I feel like there was a long period of time where there was no acknowledgement that gay people existed at all. Right. And so Mm -hmm. anytime that there were single men or um, single women or men, women holding hands um, and in other cultures, men holding hands, 
that was just like a nor it wasn't seen to have a sexual purpose right and so which is i thought it's it that is healthy except for the fact that it was you know denying the fact that gay people existed but then now um i think sometimes we um the question about like asexuality it comes up so much in these books and it's just assumed to be normal like yep they just weren't interested and there's the part of me like is like oh sure i'm sure they were they were just probably gay and then thinking actually no we don't give enough um credence to the fact that sometimes people just you know don't want to be with anybody and that's okay you know what i mean so that's what mm-hmm. i so it's an interesting thing to kind of read this because on the one hand I started saying, well, wait, so Gone with the Wind played into this because there was a scene where there was people a scene fall where asleep together. Was like, there was a whole bunch of women who were friends here. who were sleeping. And there's a scene because they all wake up and they go and do their day. And but all of the teenagers went, ew, they're all sleeping together. There must be something sexual. Oh, okay. 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 Um, but when Gone with the Wind was made they didn't even think about the possibility that a group of women could be sexually interested in each other. And so there was assumed to be asexuality. So it's kind of like by assuming that by recognizing that there's gay people in the world, when we read books that have a lot of these people who didn't get married to the opposite sex, then we assume, Oh, they were, might've been just all repressed gay people. But it's not acknowledging that there are people. And that's what I'm saying. Remember when when, in the one with Ms. Marple, when you were like, are all these spinsters gay for each other? I'm like, no, I wish. But (laughs) I feel like, no, they're all just not interested or not interested anymore. Right. So I think there's a lot of those characters in this book. Although a lot of the, not all, but there's definitely like the certain men, like Mr. Rycroft, who is like flirting with the young lady. But flirting in a gay way, can I say that? Is that offensive? She definitely caught, I got the sense that the way he did it, she didn't think he was creepy. She thought he was, oh, I, I didn't don't know catch what. that. I just thought oh. that he was just ancient. Oh, I thought he was, because um, she kept on taking, uh, talk, talking about how cultured she was. He was. And he was the one who loved the seance. He was the right. one who came up with Right, it was his idea. Bo- for both seances. Okay, we haven't explained the seance. Okay, so, so let's give scene. a plot summary. Okay, so the okay. book opens where there, which is funny because in the last book, there was like some fake, oh man, you just planted a whole bunch of sexual words in my head. I want to say <laughs> spiritual words, but I'm like, orgy, no. <laughs> <laughs> seance. Was it seance? Was that the table yes. turning? Table turning, yes. So they use the term table turning, which was new to me, where they all like, kind of use a small coffee table as a Ouija board kind of thing. Yeah, basically that's like. what it is. Yeah. So um, the book opens and these people, Mrs. Willett and her daughter, are hosting people for tea in the dead of winter. And um, Mr. Rycroft, who we mentioned, who studies birds and also spiritualist things, suggests that they do this table turning which is um where you and apparently he'd been working with miss violet the the young lady um 
to talk about these spiritual things. So they decided to do this where they calm the spirits um, and they have like four people over. So there's six people at this seance. And at first it's like uh, the people are Major Burnaby, uh, who's an older single man, Mr. Rycroft, who's an older single man, Mr. Duke, who's an older single man, and then Mr. Ronnie, or he, we wouldn't even call him Mr. Ronnie. We would just call him Ronnie, who is there visiting his older single aunt. And Ronnie then, Devereaux, right? Uh, no, Ronnie Garfield. Garfield. Where did I get Devereaux from? I have no idea. Um, and Probably Golden Girls. <laughs> Sometimes started talking about Gone with the Wind. Now we're yeah, <laughs> we're just <laughs> old white people stuff. <laughs> That's good, Blanche Devereaux. That's the name. Where did I get oh my Devereaux god, from that's hilarious. Okay. okay anyway, so, so Ronnie yeah, is Ronnie young and Violet is young, and then the the mom, uh, Mrs. Willett. So they're doing the table turning, and for a while, it was just. The two young people are clearly like, you know, rocking. They're getting the table. messages. So yeah. So who From knows? Beyond. Like who's yeah. So they, they do this and they're like, there's a spirit named Ida. And apparently the, the number of times the table moves, you count the letters, or maybe it's in Morse code or who knows. No, but no, they no, communicate. Yeah, yeah. Like one rock is A and two rocks is B and three right. locks is C. So God forget you have something that starts with like. Thank S goodness or... the first spirit's name was Ida, because otherwise right. it would have taken a real long time. <laughs> right. So there's right. some of those things, and they're it all seems very frivolous, and they're just like, oh, it keeps the messages keep being for the young people, and like you know, someone's playing a game. But and then, then suddenly it changes, and the it like rocks, and it's a different message, and they said it's a message for Mister for Major Burnaby, and then they it just says, and it spells out Trev dead and then they said you mean to say that trevelyan is dead and then apparently trevelyan again is the guy who owns the big house but has rented it out to this mom and daughter he's in the town that's near yeah six miles and he he's basically the the lord of the manor to all the people at this party right and then they said trev dead and they mean to say that trev is dead in the the table knows how to say yes and no because yes is one rock and no is two anyway so it says yes and then it spells out murder right so then everybody at the tape the get together is creeped out like it's not funny anymore and you know it's interesting because you said they were over there for tea but they went over there at like you know four thirty-five or something you know it was in the late e- um, afternoon evening so i suppose depending on if you're a tea drinker or an alcohol drinker, you might have had, you know, it's that kind of time. But then when they all got drinks at... after it got spooky, they all did switch to brandy. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and then um, they looked at the time. Mr. Rycroft looked at the time and said it was exactly 525. And then everybody feels slightly creepy. And so then Ma- Major Burnaby was like, I know it's really doesn't make any sense. This is weird. But so I'm just going to go and check. And they're like, it's. 525 at night it's dark it's the ground it's a is snowstorm snow. it's the middle of winter and it's six miles away what is yeah. wrong with you and he's like no and, i gotta go i'm nervous and um also he's one of those guys who's like you know i'm a big military man you can't stop me from doing anything right and then, so he goes off to go like check on his friend and then like two and a half hours later um he um 
goes to the door and rings it and nothing happens. So he goes to the cops and then he goes and then the cops go to the doctor and then they find Captain Captain, um, Tavalian dead, who was apparently hit by, they called it a sandbag that he kept under the door to keep out the drafts. And I was like, what the hell heavy kind of sandbag would kill you? I mean, like, I know if you had a long like what you know if you have a drafty window and you have like a long tube with sand in it to keep the draft out you hit me on the back of the head that hard enough again not me personally don't do that but (laughs) I can't get close enough to hit you I think that that would be a good way to like okay I just kept on imagining those things that you can order now to put underneath drafty doors or windows and I was thinking they're like light foam yeah, that I would like that would that might you know. But imagine if of... that was full of actual sand. Okay, okay, fair. Okay, fair. Yeah. So yeah. Okay, fair. they find him, the doctor, and the you know the local police dude and um, Major Barnaby find him dead, and then Barnaby's like, <gasps> "Did this happen at five twenty-five?" And the doctor's right. like, maybe it did because that was a couple hours ago and he's been dead in the cold. So it seems like, and then he's like, ah, mystery, oh, mystery. Oh, we've got to say that the house was torn up and the window was smashed, but they were able to figure out that the window wasn't smashed from the outside to be let in. Right. And who so figures then, that out is um, Inspector super... Inspector Narakot. Narakot? Yes, and he's awesome. And apparently, like, I don't know why they didn't bring him back because he does all these cute things where he's like the Hastings to his Praro is much like he's much nicer to him. So like when the Hastings is running around being like, clearly there was a robbery and the guy was hit on the head. He's like, that's what they want us to think, but we don't think that, do we? We're too smart for that. And oh, the, right. you know, that was the, the younger cop yeah. is like, you're right. We don't think that. Thank you for not telling me I'm an idiot, but helping me out with this. And so he's very, and, and they said that he's very, in, you know, beloved by the people under him because he's kind like that, Inspector Narica. And the whole time, like even when he's in, arrested, the love of, the, of our main interest he always seems very reasonable and interested and right. he's, he's a likable character, Inspector Narakat, but he doesn't come back again. Yeah. It's so sad. anyways, he comes in and he's like, this was not a robbery. Obviously, these, these drawers are just torn up to like look like a robbery. And then what's important is that Trevelyan was very rich and 80 or 90,000 pounds in 1931. So what we haven't looked that up. We should look that up. You were about you were building that up in such a way that I really thought you'd looked it up ahead of time, and I was like, "Oh, she's looked this up. No. She's about to say something real." We're gonna have to edit this because this is not listen to us math podcast. <laughs> listen to us fail at math. Okay, <laughs> I okay. According to what I may have be off or not a a decimal, that'd be uh seventy million dollars. Whoa, that's really that's a lot. But okay. then if you divide that by four, all of the people were inherited. It's still eighteen million dollars. Holy shit. That's worth killing somebody for. 
Right. So he left it to, he left a hundred pounds for a servant and then his um, trophies to his friend, Major Burnaby. I never did hear his, did, he has a first name, but I have no, I can't remember. Bur- Major Burnaby, did they use the first name? I have no idea. And then he divided up his sister and then the three kids of his other sister who died. And um, so his sister, uh, Jennifer, who's married to um, the invalid who got um, what they called shell shock from the Great War. But she's a really strong woman. Um, and then the three kids of her, his other sister, James, Brian, and Sylvia, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's how we meet the main protagonist is kind of this convoluted way is that James actually had gone to visit his uncle to ask for a loan because he was super rich, as we mentioned, and also super tight with his money. And James was apparently desperately in need of it because he did some terrible thing at his work. He was embezzling. He was embezzling from his company and then like giving it back after he invested it or got whatever back. And he got caught doing that and needed the money. So he went to his uncle to ask for money and then happened to leave. He came to Exhampton, the town where his uncle was, left in the middle of winter. So everybody noticed because who goes to visit, right? And then left the hotel at 430 and came back to the hotel at 630. Which is right in the window. Right in the window when he got killed. And then he didn't stay overnight. Or no, no, he did stay overnight. Took the first the train first out in the morning. the thing in the morning, he took the first train out. And he used his real name. Right. He's apparently a blooming idiot. But apparently, he's engaged to the best woman in the world of history of women. Okay, so now we meet her. So again, we, we this guy has died... There's a dinner party where somehow apparently his death was announced by the spirit world. His nephew, yeah, is suspicious and then is arrested for um, the death because he went to visit him to ask right for money the the, right before he died. And then, but we meet um, this character Emily, who is his fiance. What's her last name? Trefuses. How do you Trefuses. Miss Emily Trefusius, according to Hugh Frazier, who is now my authority on everything. Um, <laughs> so she comes in and basically there's a newspaper reporter who's a young guy named Charles Enderby, who happens to be in town because Dr. Major Barnaby, Barnaby. won a football contest which I'm like, was this fantasy football? Because it was like a 5,000 pound award for something. And well, I couldn't so figure I out what he had done. Stuff that, but I'm like, um, again, doing this math, 5,000 pounds is a ton of money. Um, that apparently Captain, because they mentioned this, that Major Burnaby and Captain Trevelyan loved to enter contests that were held in newspapers. So for you old, young people out there who didn't know this but newspapers and magazines used to have these kind of contests all the time like you know fill out this crossword and fill it in and send it in and you get a prize 
Um, You're saying this to young people like you knew about this, but this was not in our time either. Right. You're saying it uh, like there's some Gen Zs that like are TikToking <laughs> and don't know about this, but we don't know about this either. <laughs> oh, so you ever the Christmas story, the movie A Christmas Story, you remember how he sends away for the little orphan Annie decoder ring? Yes. It's that kind of stuff where, you know, like it's in the newspaper and there's, you know, but it's a promotion for the newspaper or the magazine so right. that you will, but if you fill out the crossword or guess the right number of marbles or whatever it is, you could win the top prize. And so in some cases, as they said, Captain Trevelyan had won three shitty romance novels because when they were searching his house after he died, they were like, why does he have three shitty no romance novels? And his servant was like, he won those in one of the contests because he and Major Burnaby loved to enter contests. Yeah. But they also said that he didn't like to use his address, Sitiford House, because he was like, well, they'll never send the winning prize to the Lord of the Manor. They'll send it to number one cottage, Sitiford, which is where Major Burnaby lived, because it sounds more like a typical house. And so he apparently would send in his entries to some of these contests from his servant's house address or Major Burnaby's address. It was just one of, one of the things he did for fun. Anyway, so this um, Daily Wire journalist who was there from the, um, from the Daily Wire to present the winnings for whatever the competition was. I can't remember what it was. It was something about football, but they never said exactly what it was. But it, like, okay, so yeah. again, I probably have math this wrong and I will edit it out later with better numbers if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, but according to what I just think I did, it was like $450,000. Holy moly. Like that no time. Wow. That's why he killed his best friend. Okay. Well, Spoiler. Jeez. <laughs> you were the one who said I was spoiler. my whole plan was not to spoil it so soon. Amanda, shut up. <laughs> I mean, we have been doing this for over a half an hour, so we haven't spoiled it. it but Yeah, for um, the listener, our goal was to tell a little bit more of the plot before we give it away immediately this time, but uh, and I screwed it up. And that was my goal. <laughs> <laughs> no, you yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so my the reason I was telling this whole story is that it was actually not Captain uh, Major Aunt Burnaby who entered whatever the competition was. No, it was it was his. It was yeah. It was that um, Captain Trevelyan. Tre Trevelyan who didn't need the five thousand pounds. No, he was he super was rich, but he just liked to enter these these contests, and he thought that the more um, modest address would be more likely to win. And Major Burnaby, and they talk about this a couple of times is a straight upstanding man who liked to pay his debts on time and mm -hmm. got sucked into every investment opportunity and lost money all the damn time. Definitely People are bought, like, there are oil futures in you definitely know, Australia. Definitely bought oceanfront property in Arizona. Type. Definitely did. He is that kind of guy. Um, he was very and, credulous, as they described him. Right. So, anyway, so obviously this rich dude giving away millions of dollars to his family was um, seems like a reason, which is kind of interesting because they didn't actually do it. 
But so here, so James Pearson, who apparently is an embezzler and an idiot, is engaged to this amazing woman. <laughs> Emily she calls him an idiot. She does. And when we get to themes, I have major questions about Emily and her life choices. Seriously. But then this journalist shows up to give this prize to Major Burnaby. And then Mr. He's Charles like, Enderby. And he's like, wait, I show up to give this prize and there's a murder right there. In this tiny Thank town. You, journalism he, gods. Right. And he's just like, wait, so this guy who would normally be like, get out of my face you you know trying to bother me about my friend's death but i've just handed him a check for five thousand pounds so he can't exactly say that to me and so yeah he's kind of got it in and he's very charming guy charles enderby the young guy the young reporter he's a he's a super charming guy so he has the in with with major burnaby and then he he uses it and he uses this charm to kind of like stay on his good side and then emily is like well jim's arrested I have to rescue him because I'm the most competent person you've ever met. <laughs> and so she travels. So Jim's now in jail. And then she goes to the town first to X Hampton meets everybody there, stays in the thing, stays in the main hotel, talks to the woman who runs it, tells her her story. And, and then, then she, she keys in on Charles Enderby and she's like, that guy, well, help me out and she she goes to him with this like there's just places that a man can go that a, a woman just can't get access to it'd Which be is so true. nice to have someone i could have i could rely on <laughs> and charles is like absolutely That's not her accent at all but yeah you want to give her a southern accent don't you speaking of blanche Devereux. but she and she actually said that she's like i've been on my own since i was 16 and i don't understand women but i understand men and i know how to get them to do what i want she kind of tells so, on herself and she's like my right. my fiance's an idiot um so i gotta save him right so she travels up to the tiny town of Sidiford. they stay with um one of the people up there who has usually people stay in the middle of summer. Nobody goes up in their winter, but it's, yeah. Now there's been a murder, so there's people staying. And then she says that um, Charles is her cousin, so everybody's okay with them sleeping in the same place. Oh, and Side I felt note, like... How come it's okay? And then Mrs. Curtis, who they stay with, is like, yeah, they're staying here, and you know, sometimes cousins get together but that could end up with crazy children and cousins shouldn't get together and i was like hold up oh, oh when it comes to theme, get together agatha christie is way reformed on cousin love now <laughs> she's like she oh, has no. come full circle because that character said it and another character said it or the narrator said it but it was definitely like said something about like how uh, the servant's wife might be kind of killy because she comes from inbred stock Right. But there was so definitely now, a couple of times where they were like, sometimes cousins marry each other, but it's not a good thing. And right. so and then what? so I was like, okay, so we've 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 caught up a little bit on uh, genetics and <laughs> the importance of diversity in your <laughs> genetic profile. And I noticed that the book took made a point to take a, a stance on cousin love. It well, was very different from the early books. Right, because somebody must have gone to Agatha and said, "Could you <laughs> not so stop? much on the cousin love? Because <laughs> you're creeping us out. It's bad. Let's not encourage this. Because this is a total departure. It was a total departure. I I totally agreed. I was like, okay, we've 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 changed our mind on that. 
So then Emily basically investigates everyone. And if she can't do it, she gets Charles to do it. And if she can't get Charles to do it, she gets Mr. Rykaff to do it. She also manages to become best friends with the wife of Captain Trevelyan's um, servant. Right. And the woman who runs the um, hotel um, in Exhampton. Like, she just gets everybody And, and the aunt of... Who's the aunt that she loves? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The aunt who lives in the... Um, aunt i don't say aunt why are we saying aunt we're not british aunt i say um, aunt you say aunt miss um, pierce house yes miss caroline pierce house who is like look let me tell you about everybody here and and so yeah so she's she's definitely gets on everybody's good side and gets um i i say aunt Aunt just is terrible how, how you did not call <laughs> vivian aunt vivian what what anyway so she basically and she does solve the crime herself she does yes so so, so, okay so the the things in terms of solving the crime so we find out all these things we know that basically her fiance gets arrested because he came to ask for money right before the guy died so that doesn't look great but then we also find out that yeah so he was embezzling and needed money. So that's not great. Um, but the other things that happen that are suspicious are that Jim's brother, who was supposed to have been in Australia, is it in Australia? Turns out he's here also ready to kill, ready to uncle kill. Right. And the reason why is every, the whole book, they're like, why did these people come from South Africa to rent this house in the middle of winter. No one would do that. Why would anybody do this? No one would do this. And they're back and forth. They keep, everybody's asking. And yeah, and so, yeah, so the two women just keep being like, well, you know, we're from South Africa and we just think it's just wonderful to be in the snow. It's just charming. And, but then the mom keeps slipping and she's like, it's terrible. It's hateful. Why would anybody be here? I mean, it's just charming. And (laughs) She can't keep up the character. And they're super jumpy and nervous. Um, but it's like, are they jumpy and nervous about the um, the murder that happened? Like, why are they jumpy and nervous? And then Emily hears them say, I can't wait until tonight. And so she tells Charles, okay, I need you to stay up all night and see what happens. And he does. <laughs> and then he's like, I he does whatever Emily she understands. says. I hope I do. Emily understands how I suffered for her, which is hilarious. But anyway. But then um, Violet goes out in the middle of the night and then meets a, a young man. And then Charles is like, hey, guys, what you doing? <laughs> and the young man turns out to be Brian Pearson, James's brother, who's supposed to be in um, Australia. Australia. And they're like, yeah, he's just visiting. And people are like, wait, no, no, no. How the hell did he get here? Because you don't just go from Australia to the middle of Dartmoor in the middle of winter. Like, it's No. <laughs> right (laughs) so then oh but we forgot to mention that like two days after the murder right after emily and charles come up to the sitiford town to like investigate the bells go off because dartmoor in the middle of nowhere is where england like a lot of places put a prison because you put the prison in the middle of nowhere so that 
you know, it's hard to escape from. And so a bell went off showing that a prisoner had escaped. Right. And I I have learned between this book and the last book that when there, and I think there's probably other in the other ones we've read too, but like when there's a backdrop of sort of like a thing happening, it always ties into the plot. So in this one, like in the last one, they were like, oh, what's his name is trying to fly around the world on the seaplane. And in this one, um, they're sort of like, oh, the prisoner escaped. And it just seems like casual gossip, uh, you know, that has nothing to do with the plot, but actually is key to the plot because the prisoner that escaped was actually Mrs. Willett's husband, who apparently did terrible crimes, terrible violent crimes sometimes, but was like a fun dad also. Apparently he got hit in the head. By a how, uh, kicked in the head? Was it kicked in the head? No, they I said kicked remember. in the head the horse, and that, yeah, that apparently him having a TBI made him be sort of Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. Questions about questions about that, <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah, so basically, turns out that Mrs. Willett, the big, the first big reveal, or this big reveal, is that Mrs. Willett and and Violet. Or actually not from South Africa at all, which makes sense because the whole book, they've been sort of doubting that story. So they're from Australia, not South Africa, which, oh my God, shout out to Hugh Frazier because from the beginning, I was like, why does their accent sound so weird? Because they're supposed to be South African, but they don't sound quite right. So he does the accent of Australians pretending to be South Africans Seriously? who are That's women impressive. and he's a man and two different women. So two different women, a younger one and an older one who were Australians pretending to be South Africans. And That's so they're impressive. not getting it quite right. And that's what, cause like when I was listening, I was like, why does that accent sound so weird? That doesn't really sound like, you know, a South African accent because it wasn't, it's like Australians trying to do South African like so that that Hugh Fraser on the on the audiobook he just he just knocked that out of the park <laughs> wow that's good to know <laughs> but anyways yeah so it turns out they're on the boat from Australia to England I guess just because and then they meet and why was her husband Brian in prison in England that's what we never found out like why did he so he went to England to go kill people right or they yeah, I, I don't know. That, to do his that, crimes. Yeah. So yeah, so anyways, so the two of them were headed to England. We don't know why. But and, then and then on so the boat, was, they meet Brian. And Violet and Brian fall in love. And then they're like, cool, let's bring your daddy from jail. And so the he plan was, Violet the whole us. thing was, the reason why they asked to stay at a fancy house in the middle of freaking nowhere is because A, they're rich, so they're going to stay at a fancy house. And close to the middle of nowhere, specifically close to the prison, so that they so could that they be could there. Break out, so they could, and he could just show up and be their servant. Right. So their 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 whole guys was that they were going to fire their whole house staff or have the house to house staff leave, and then hire Brian and the escaped convict who's dead to be their manservants. Right for apparently x amount of time until they're just like cool we're packing up the household and these manservants that we're not related to at all and then um but the convict does get out 
but there's the reason you put a prison in the middle of the Dartmoor in the winter is that everybody goes out and they get lost and they freeze. Right, which is what happened. So he broke out of prison and then before they can do their big happy family reunion, he, you know, basically walks in a circle in the snow and gets freezing and gets captured. So it doesn't work. But that's why they were being all suspicious, is including why they were even renting the house. Right. So they're being suspicious that they're lying about being South African, not Australian. So the whole time Violet keeps being like, I can't ask, answer any questions about my past because I don't know anything about South Africa. Yeah. So that's the, the scene... big, that's that big reveal about them. By the way, that scene when the inspector first goes and talks to them and was really a great scene where she kept on saying, I know it's so crazy. Why would we want to come here in the middle of winter? And the inspector is like, wait, is she interrogating me? Right. You know, she does this great thing where he kept on trying to ask questions. And then she would be like, well, yeah. So, yeah, she's she's really good. She's 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 masterful, even though he's a really good inspector. Yeah. and, And he's just aware of it. He's like, wait, I am not in charge here. Right. So um, anyway, so that's one big reveal. We also, Which actually turns out to have nothing to do with the murder, even though Brian inherits a fourth of the legacy. And he happens to he be there and he's that. involved in this whole deception, but he doesn't know that he's about to die. That the, that Right, that his uncle was about really to die. About to die yeah. uh, and it's interesting because did he... Wait a minute. I never thought of this. Did he tell... Violet and her mom to ask his uncle to rent from because he was like, I have an uncle who lives there. You should live in that house. Yeah, exactly. They told him. Yeah, and that's why, because remember they said, the renting agent said that that house wasn't even rented to let, but it it was the only house that met the requirements. So I think they were like, more than eight bedrooms, only two closets. You know, (laughs) right <laughs> they they were very specific with their list and it like that house happened to fit it because he knew that his uncle loved money and would rent it to them if they gave a good price uh, that part i didn't get together but that's how he was like yeah you should rent my uncle's house right so that's why they're that's why it was so suspicious that they were there because they didn't just happen to be there right okay okay that makes sense okay so that's that, that... So- um, sneaky line that didn't have anything to do with it. The other suspects that we have are okay. So there's also the doctor, doctor, Captain Trevelyan's sister, and his sister, right. his her husband is an invalid again, ableist language, who seems to have some sort of conversion disorder where he's there's nothing physically wrong with him. But he. But they talk about it was a World War One. Um, well, they wouldn't have said World War One. Great War. <laughs> right. They weren't counting. We yet. would now say oh. we would now say World War One PTSD. Right. But they said Great War shell shock. Right. But so he basically sits around all day. He, but his, his he sits around like, and yells for his wife, and he yells for his nurse, and he can't do anything, and he's like, "I'm tired," and and then he. His wife, like, freaking loves him so much. 
and wants to get him special treatment. And had asked and so, her brother for money for special treatment for him, but she he had said no. And, and of then course, the brother was also a um, p- person who fought in the Great War. Right. And her brother probably was like, "I got over it. Your husband should too." Right. Which is, and you like know, a yeah. little toxic masculinity of like you know. We should all get over the but also these that conversion disorder things where it doesn't quite add up physiologically and you just can't do stuff like it, it is hard for all of us to understand even though that's right of us and so we have all the suspects there because the wife might have done it because she needs the money for her husband's experimental treatments the husband might have done it because he actually could do stuff even though like, right. like maybe he's faking it instead of just having shell shock or conversion disorder. And then Emily figures out that he and the nur- his nurse are holding hands and maybe more. So right. maybe the nurse did it. And there was like this story about like where everybody was at the time of the murder and the wife was supposed to be shopping, but she came home, but no one saw her come home. The nurse wasn't right. with the husband and the husband wasn't with the nurse. So, like nobody really has an alibi for the time of the murder from that house. And it seems like they all have a right. motive for the money. And then, and then the rest of um, the Pearson. So obviously we talked about Brian Pearson needs money because he fell in love with Violet. And then Jim Pearson needs the money because he's an embezzler. Um, and then um, their sister, Sylvia, which the description again agatha says with she you know describing people's looks she was like sylvia was 25 but she looked over 30 (laughs) i didn't catch that one one. i didn't catch that (laughs) yeah when they first introduced sylvia it was like she's 25 but she looks much older and she's married to this author who keeps cheating on her a lot whose apparent subject is something about sex right and he keeps cheating on his wife and her uncle didn't like him and she's like totally defensive of her husband like he just doesn't appreciate literature but it sounds like her husband's a right. and it definitely person. sounds like they've asked the uncle for money too because he's that's like whenever he came up she's like he doesn't appreciate literature so it seems like they've she's also asked the uncle for money because of her husband's right i mean and this is the interesting thing unlike the last book that we read where we talked about the person being killed was just tragic even though it was killed for money it was super sad in this case it was an old bachelor man who was super rich who wouldn't give any i mean clearly we look we've done the math a couple of times he was very very rich and he had a we did the bad we did the math once badly I wouldn't say we did it a couple of times, considering but in we're in a time book, where math talk about in the world really matters. Because there's people doing like major math right now that's going to affect the impact of the world. <laughs> I Wikipedia'd terribly <laughs> and like used Fair. my my calculator app about how he was very very so, wealthy. Yeah, no matter how our our polls come out, he was had a lot of money, <laughs> and he wasn't giving it to anybody because he was like. You know, I know you can't treat your husband, sister. No, you can't have any money, niece. You know, no, you can't have any money, nephew. Right. So he was, he was sort of, yeah, he was, he was tight with his money. And he also disapproved, like, he disapproved of women 
but he also disapproved of the men that his sisters and you know female relatives married right disapproved a lot so you know so this is one of those things where when when we talked about why we didn't like the last novel because it was just sad this one it was like ah you know See, okay, so I think we're going to disagree on this. I'm not not sad that he died, although we never met him. He right. seemed we like a likable guy, also... although tight. Because, like, you know, right. I don't, I don't have anything need to kill people who are tight with their money. But so many of the people could be suspects, which was fun. Right, right, and so it was less, and but also because he was a single guy who was older, it was less tragic than the victim in the last book does that make sense i don't know how to yeah no yeah no, the, the person who died was a young woman with her life ahead of her and this is like at least an older guy who was literally doing cross crossword puzzles to pass the time like right you're you're not thinking he didn't get to live he had a full right. life and so right right and and so the puzzle was a lot more, <clears throat> it was a satisfying puzzle. And I was less sad about his passing because I didn't meet him and because of what you just described. So I think it's, that's why I like, it's like, I was trying to figure out why do I, when I said last week, I was like, Ooh, that's the one coming up. Ooh, I like that one. It's you so know? fun. And, like, and because like, okay, so the main characters are Emily, who's this, young woman who's investigating her fiance's you know who's been accused and she's amazing and she basically like i don't know it's it's such a fine needle to thread where it's like she uses the way that men see her to her advantage but it doesn't make you cringe right she does that because she's like she literally says to almost every man in the book it's so nice to have someone upon you can rely or whatever, but not with the Southern accent. That's just, I can't <laughs> not say it that way. <laughs> no, right? It's just so, but it works. And the men every time are just like, I will do whatever you want. And then to that, but, to the older aunt, because I say aunt with the you, there's a you there. Why would we ignore it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, she's like, oh, she's just like me, but I'm attractive. But we both use our language to get whatever the hell we want from the world. And so she right, and this because- older lady totally bond. But she's like, she's just like me, but I happen to be attractive. And I actually reminded me of um, the man in the brown suit, the heroine in that, because she sort of like realizes the way that she's seen by the world and the way that she needs to use that as a woman to her advantage to get shit done. Well, and what's interesting is at some point she said, I've been on my own since 16 and I know men really well, but she seemed to get along with women really well too. Right. She, you know she made I mean? it sound like when she described herself as if she was going to be awkward and strange with women, which a lot of times women who are good at working men are terrible with women or annoying <laughs> but in my yeah, experience, she but did. she wasn't like with, with Violet, she knew how to like be a normal person. Like we're both in, kind of in the same situation and with, and it turns out they're going to be sister-in-law. So, you know, there's yeah, that, there's that. Um, but then, um, yeah, but she gets along with the older aunt and she gets, yeah. So like, um, she says she doesn't, that she knows men better than women, but she just is a very competent person. She is. Um, and the, 
there's so much explicit of her saying, I'm just going to work these the relationship with men it's like out there she's not even pretending no i'm gonna get these men to and sometimes she's saying it literally to their faces (laughs) like i'm just gonna get what i need from you (laughs) and what i'm saying you know what's interesting and i it's it's interesting because charles the reporter definitely was like okay you say you're engaged to jim but you know you're flirting with me um and so that's one of the reasons why he does it but then, like, um, Mr. Rycroft, you got a creepy vibe from him, but I got a gay vibe from him. And I don't know, wh- why is that? Interesting. I was just, because yeah. I was just thinking about the description words that they were describing, because Major Burnaby is a former soldier, and Captain Wyatt is a former soldier who used to be situated in India, and everybody hates him. And Mr. Duke who's mysterious, but then actually turns out to be a former chief inspector. But then Mr. Rycroft, he's educated and cultured. And he's, you know, that's the description. You you, you cut all these signifiers that I missed. I just thought he was just sort of intellectual. And yeah. And at least the way it came off to me in the audio book was that he was so interested in in, um, Emily and wanted to impress her. In sort of like an a young, an old guy, I think he has a chance with this young woman sort of way. Oh no, I saw it as an, um, because he's like we're co-investigators. Yeah, see, I saw it as uh, older gay man, young woman bonding kind of way. Interesting. Okay. 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 And maybe I'm reading it wrong. And of course, you know, the code words. Yeah, I think we've talked we, about... you and I, like between being American and 100 years later, we have no idea. Or 90 years later, well, <laughs> we don't know those cultural we code words. That, that there's that kind of thing going on. But so, and I, I, I don't think I did it the first, you know, several times that I read this. I think it's after we've done that kind of analysis that I was kind of like, huh, there is a lot of single men there. But Mr. Rycroft. Uh, yeah, it was yeah, definitely a Major lot Burnaby, of single women. Captain Trevelyan. Men in this Captain one. Wyatt, who everyone just said was an awful person. And then he had a servant from India. And there, that we got to have, we got to have our bonus racism. Yeah. yeah, back to back to racism. We took a break on the last book. But this one, <laughs> definitely Abdul. His, and it was interesting because it there wasn't any direct like I felt like Abdul as a person was just very like a straight man. Were he like, just like he has an Indian servant. Hear your stuff. All the comments made by the narrator. I don't Who know if the narrator the town, said anything, yeah. but the, the comments made by the people are just like and well, black and they would call him native. They were angry that they kept their house and, like, really hot. Because they said the reason they kept their house hot is because they used to live in India, which I thought was funny because I was like, yeah. And and then even our main character, even our likable main character, Emily, would be like, I'm working like such a slave and like, she said, I'm going to not in the Britney kind of a way. Charles, she was like, hmm, you know what I want is for him to be my slave and do what I want him to do. Bond slave. She said bond slave. And I don't know what that means. 
And then when she wrote a note to oh, her fiance, she said, I'm working like the worst kind of slave. And it felt so like yeah. they meant it. Like slave was like an actual I can't remember if they said, you know, something another modifier on top of slave that made it work, but it was just like, yeah. oh, okay. Well Right. So so we definitely okay. got to- We can't pretend. <laughs> We can't pretend anymore. It was nice for one book, and then yeah, the the Indian um, yeah servant Abdul so was definitely I think, you know. Not so well. what's interesting is the how she figured it out before we get to th- finishing on themes was really interesting because as I said, she made friends with everybody. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. The, Tell it. The wife of she Captain Savilla's so servant wrote her and was like, "Okay, weird thing." When Major and my husband were cleaning up everything, we couldn't find his boots. And, like, we know everything in the house, and we couldn't find his boots. And isn't that weird? We couldn't find them. So Emily's like, yeah, that is weird. So she goes to the house and looks around and finds all... She gets access because she goes to whoever the uh, captain was renting from. And she goes and, and charms him and it's like, what's the harm in me seeing to the house? And he's like, what are you going to find that the police miss? Like, she had to work him too. Like, even her getting access right. to the house was more of her being so like, she, super astute. So she gets there and she's looking around and looking around. So anyways, yeah. So she goes like, and, oh, and, and searches the house. They've cleaned everything. Why is there soot um, in the fireplace? And she looks up the fireplace and there's a pair of boots stuck up the fireplace. She was like, oh, I found the boots. And then she looks around and she pulls out the boots and she takes them. And cause they had found two pairs of skis. Nobody noticed that there were two pairs of skis, but there were two pairs of skis and she puts the boots up. Right. And the whole, the whole thing was that he was so untrusting of women that when he rented out the house to the, the women, to Mrs. Willett and her daughter, he moved absolutely everything, especially right. his sporting goods. Cause he was such a sporting guy. And like you said, that um, one woman that was described as 25, but looking over 30, he was described oh, as being in true. his 60s, yeah. but looking no older than 50 something. So he was very young and sporty and he liked to do his sports. So he had moved all of his stuff, including his skis, into this little bungalow he was renting, even though he could have left a lot of that stuff back in so his house. Emily he was renting out, but he boots, didn't trust his she women takes to the stuff. skis and she realizes the boots only fit one of the skis. So why does he have skis that doesn't fit? And this was how she figured out how it was done is that Major Burnaby, what he did, he was the one who did the table turning. And then... Well, he, he was the one did. who did the like Burnaby Trev is dead, dead Burnaby murdered is. stuff. And then he said, I'm going to walk down. Oh yeah, yeah. Trev, Trev is dead. Down. Yeah, He skied down. And you ski down the hill in two hours so instead of walking six miles in the snow which would take 15 20 minutes downhill 10 okay yeah but the book said 10 and then well dang and then he goes in and he kills his i don't really ski so i don't know how long things take and then um but then he best friend no he actually he cleans up his things but also makes a mess and fusses around and does all this stuff and then Two hours later, goes back out, hikes around for a while so that he gets cold, and then walks up to the door like he just got there. 
And um, which, you know, when they describe him as a very straightforward person who's very the whole thing, it's such a shock because he, you know, doesn't seem like, you know, he could be capable of that kind of deception. Um, and then the reason right. he killed for, as you said, something that would be worth $45,000 now, he had done a, several bad investments because he was really kept credulous. And this prize should have been Trevelyan's because it was one of those contests that they entered. Trevelyan had submitted under and, his address because you know, he they, had a more modest address. There also address. was this jealousy thing because obviously these guys are best friends, but one of them owned all of the land. And one of them had apparently $17 million, no, $72 million. And the other one had to get his friend Some to build number a cabin of dollars. for him. Right. And so Miss Piercehouse had said that. She had said that, like, when when she figures it out or when Emily figures it out, she was like, yeah, I mean, uh Trevelyan was always a little bit better than Barnaby at everything. He was a better skier. He was a better sportsman. He was better at everything. He was better at these contests. So it was like both, I need this 5,000 pounds, but also so I'm it's sick of him always being better at me than everything. over love or um, it's not, it's a, definitely over money because he needs it, but it's also that definitely this undercurrent of Straight up jealousy, but not jealousy and like you got my jealousy. woman or whatever, just envy, right? Like, and so it's an interesting motive. Envy. It's different mm-hmm. from a, some of the motives that we've had. And honestly, I felt it to be kind of realistic in terms of, you know, those weird friendships you have where there's well, just these I- complex layers you know where you have something and like i think i've had i've been on both sides of a friendship where you have something that they want or they have something that you want and so you're like frenemying each other a little bit and so often right. it happens like, like in ebbs and flows where like you know like you know for you like you have a family and like maybe you have friends that like are living a very cosmopolitan lifestyle and so like right, one right. of you can and be jealous of the other but there's trade-offs there right but if it's always going in one direction and your one friend is always like getting the better boyfriend and the better whatever and the better this and the better that. Well, and and I was like, thinking that about what a killer, uh, you know? Okay. So let's hope that my ex doesn't ever listen to this. Um, but I was thinking of, that'd be really weird. Um, but that'd be I was real weird about my ex because there was definitely that when we met each other and we were young and just starting out in our careers. And then I was more successful in my career. Um, Not monetarily um, just because I'm a teacher and there's only so much you can go. (laughs) There's only so much extra stuff you can do. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But like I'm directing plays, I'm running the, constitution team i'm in the paper you know like i'm getting accolades i'm moving up in my career and my ex was not and it definitely set up a dynamic in our relationship where i was like no 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 you're perfectly capable and no matter whenever i would say that 
it sounded pitying and he would feel crappy and of course suffered from Mm. depression anyway so that's a reason for me to fail anyway and I might as well fail um, for a reason because I'm drunk all the time so that dynamic it kind of reminds me of that dynamic where the successful person like there's nothing there's nothing you can do about you know what I mean like (laughs) nothing you can do about it man this is probably I should we should edit this out of the podcast but I don't I probably I can't know if I told you this but like literally my ex said to me one place one time with a straight face my family thinks the only thing good thing about me is you and was mad at me when they said that, right? So it's like, okay, well, I get that that sucks to be you, but also how do I fix that? Do you want me to be less likable to them? Right. Like, like you said, like, you know, if if I am being a nice person and good at my job and, a, you know, a supportive family member and they like that about me. Do you want me to so be? So you're upset because they like that about me because you don't like yourself and you don't feel like you're thriving in those ways right I, I mean, can you see how i can't win for like, losing right do now do you want me to start failing can you see how i can't my success at being a human makes you right. upset I mean, because, at me right what? because you know besides saying what do i do you want me to call your mom and be rude now like yeah no i what you're saying we right totally now i'm, I'm in the same marriage we, we were both in the same we marriage. were in the same marriage <laughs> like yeah <laughs> where literally she was like yeah they think the only good thing about me is you and then was mad at me for it i was like just was like clearly i'm a terrible person so i can't do anything for you when i would go no see and that's the difference i think that maybe that's the astrology of it or something because no for her it was like and that's your fault for him he was was just like like, so i'm terrible so i'm going to continue being terrible so why should i ever get a job or get sober and I was like, wait a minute. Um, no. So... That's what? No, but it, well, either and, way, and it's, it's one of those things about, like, making. you know, this is why Major Burnaby, to bring it back to the book, you need to do your own work. <laughs> way to way to take but it away from our our work. spiral into our because, <laughs> relationship like, stuff i may me. need to edit out <laughs> okay you keep getting sucked into investments that are bad real estate schemes and it happens at the end like before the before he gets arrested where he's looking at the paper and he's like "Ooh, some waterfront property right. in arizona and- looks good like he still doesn't learn his lesson <laughs> You had to kill a man over these debts because you don't know what you're right. doing. And he's like, ooh, that sounds promising. Seven to right. one return. And so it's like, what could be no, wrong with that? you got to do your own <sighs> Idiot. work. So here's the thing. If you're in a relationship and it sounds like, and this is where they clearly, and the reason I was relating it to my um, a previous marriage is because these two guys clearly were together for decades. And apparently every Tuesday and Friday, they went to each other's houses. And actually, back to your sexuality point, 
I think it's very rarely um, illustrated or shown to us a asexual male to male, both non married relationship like that. Like if they hadn't, if it hadn't ended in murder, it's kind of it beautiful. It was totally for <laughs> like it was an asexual partnership, right? Like these two men were skiing and doing the sportsman things and doing crossword puzzles and like twice a week they would go to each other's and house it was, was this whole tradition and it was like kind of beautiful and neither of them when was partnered so they house, were basically each other's partner to his partner but the problem is is that major was like why do i have to have my house given to me by my partner and obviously i'm this you're blowing my mind right that with that because we we see the examples of that of like female sort of partners asexual partnerships but like it's very i had i don't know another example right i mean if... it's kind of beautiful if it didn't end in murder <laughs> but and and, it, and if you think of but, it as a partnership it makes it so, so obvious that he's the, the killer and, there's always the wife for the husband that's the killer this jealousy between the two of them that if major Bernie oh. had done his work and this is the thing about like we can't fix our partners all we can do is be like you got to do your own work man we we all have our own insecurities we all have our you know so yeah captain trevelyan he's richer than you he's been more successful than you can you love that and appreciate about him without being jealous and yeah, he's super tight about money. And so that would be the thing is like, you know. That's so funny because when I thought of this, I, I tied it into friendships in my life and my experience with friendships who might have had some envy relation, you know, envy elements on either side. And, and in your life, I was thinking of like friendships oh, yeah. of yours. But you're right. It's way more of a partnership situation. But it was just a toxic partnership where Burnaby was like friends with Trevelyan because right, of which success, happens. but also I mean, that's, that's why I brought up my own is that you know like that that's fascinating being jealous of the person that you love not jealous and that's why jealous isn't the right word jealous implies that they are yeah you know uh having an affair with somebody you know but in this case like envious why am I not succeeding when they are why don't yeah why yeah why do you have whether a, it's yeah and so a thing that you know, i don't have we're so similar and we're in the same yeah, world yeah and that's why probably, you're doing I so said, much better than that me. relationship of mine started when we were very young in our careers and at that point we were both like i don't know what i'm doing but then i started figuring out what i was doing and making mistakes yeah. and you know and he kept stumbling in what he was doing and losing jobs and then being angry about it and blaming those people who made him lose jobs. You know what I mean? And so, so I keep succeeding yeah. and he's stumbling. So then therefore, as you said, it could either be blaming the partner who's succeeding or blaming yourself with depression or accommodation. Right. It's just the way that you react to that emotion, right? Like, do you externalize it and make right. her feel bad or do you internalize it and make yourself feel bad? So then she feels bad right. because she's and, there and watching it, you and make course, yourself you know, feel bad. Like, like, either way, it's... Yeah, when you are in a partnership with someone who is successful, 
can you be happy for them and love them for without being envious of it? And I think you can, but it takes you both doing your own work. And this is good to go back to the themes of the book. Emily isn't, Emily is an incredibly competent person (laughs) and she's engaged to a guy who she calls an idiot. A lot of people call an idiot. Um, He had to go ask his rich uncle for money because he got cut and bizzling. I got this. So what's interesting is at the end of the book, somebody makes a prediction and said, he's going to get his shit together because she makes him get his shit together and they're going to be fine. Oh yeah, so there's a, that's the uh, other big theme of the book is at the end several people sort of assume that Including she's going to end up with Charles Enderby, the reporter that she's been going around with. Right, so Charles is like, "Okay, hey girl, we've been we've been solving crimes, we've been flirting. This is going to happen, right? It's me and you, right?" And she's like, "Oh girl, no. No. <laughs> I but was using awesome you is to she get my says, fiance out you of know, jail." He's like, "But great, we work well together." Did you know that Mr. Duke, who we were all wondering about, is actually a retired chief inspector? And Charles is like, I love you. Uh, wait, what? What did you say? Mr. Duke. Right. And, 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 and both she and the narrator realize that like he's a go-getter. Charles Enderby is going to do big things because this whole time he's turned this like, I'm reporting in this sleepy town about this prize money to this boring old guy into I'm getting all the scoops on the murder investigation, right? So he is a, like a very industrious young man. He seems perfectly paired for her, who's a very industrious young woman. And I see Sushi behind you being cute. Hi, Sushi. <laughs> um, hi, Sushi. So, but anyways, like you're like, as a reader, you're like, yes, Emily and Charles are going to get together and she's not going to like marry that guy who got cut in bezeling. There's like you don't there's you don't have any Mom, fondness for him. Yeah. And then at the end, like she she she's like, Oh no, I choose him. I choose the embezzler. This reporter guy's like he's gonna and word. she basically he said says he borrowed funds from the firm to do a speculation that thought he thought would be good. He didn't embezzle money to buy I think that's literally the okay, it I'm is, pretty sure that's the definition he, of embezzlement. But he didn't take using money someone and else's go, money like, to car. spend it else. No, but he used it and invested it on something else, which is, I think, that's true. But I'm just saying literally how people get word. caught. You're using the word, which is. But you're right. Okay. Okay. They didn't use the word embezzle. Okay. So, but anyways, so she's like, no, I don't want to go with this like go-getter investigator who I've been having chemistry with. We've been solving crimes. He's super, you know, industrious and smart. She's like, no, I want the guy who <laughs> borrows money, to be more right. specific, from his firm. <laughs> um, and is bad at borrowing money, sneakily, and um, needs me to save him. And in the, 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 I think it's the aunt who is like, well, yeah, she basically, if you save him then he'll always be loyal to you like and it was interesting because you give me so much context about agatha christie's love life and so it kind of seemed like she was like if you're a powerful woman (laughs) you need to marry down 
so that he but, won't fuck around on you like i was just like right but the lessons about love in this second, just like second you round down just like settle who unlike her first marriage where they were kind of more attached to her career as a author her second marriage was to an archaeologist which had nothing to do with her career and so this was the message of this book was definitely <laughs> settle if you're a smart young woman marry a guy who needs you that you will keep him out of jail because he'll be loyal because if you get someone at your level he'll cheat on you and i was just like dang girl this is dark like it was like the darkness that we talked about in the last book wasn't there like the investigation was fun and the you know all the things are fun well yeah i just gotta say so one of the themes about every relationship <laughs> was like... fucked up okay so we got emily and jim so she's rescuing him we got brian and violet brian and violet She's an idiot. Like, Your dad's in prison for doing horrible things. I'll get him out for you. So, okay. There's that one. And then we got uh, Aunt Jennifer Great. and her husband, who's the PTSD dude, where Aunt Jennifer's like, I love you. I'll take care of you. I got all this. I'll take care of you. And he's like, I'm incapable, but also nurse. Can we fool around? Then we got... Right, so he's the nurse. Yeah, so he's having right. at least an emotional affair with the nurse, if not more. The wife is, and right. she's completely and dedicated then we got, to him. Um, Sylvia, who's married to Martin. Uh, Sylvia, who is um, the dead guy's niece, who's married to an author who writes about sex and cheats on her, and is according who's to Emily cheating on her regularly. And there was a red herring about that, too, because he wasn't where he was supposed to be at the time of the murder, and he gave a fake alibi because he was definitely cheating on his wife at that time. So there was a whole red herring where we had to chase him down and figure out that he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And then we got Mr. and Mrs. Curtis, who, that's where Emily and Charles stayed, up in Sittaford. And Mrs. Curtis talks a million miles a minute, and then she leaves the room, and Mr. Curtis is like, she talks a lot. Some of it's true. Mr. Curtis is like, right? Mm, and talk then... a lot. And then there's the aunt and her nephew, where she's basically like abusive to him, and she's like, when he gets out of the room, she's but like, since if he, he won't, just stood up to I'll me, make him do. Him. She's like, paint things. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. it's yeah. not a romantic. And it's it's like it's not a romantic relationship. It's a aunt and her her nephew who wants her money when she dies. But and then, it's so still the, a very dysfunctional best... relationship. And Violet right, is leading him on. Is leading the, the nephew uh, on. The best relationship is Evans, who is uh, Captain Trevelyan's um, servant, and his wife. And they've only been, yeah. <laughs> She's buxom. and they've only been married for. <laughs> A year. <laughs> Agatha Christie had you buxom before, and I was like, okay, we're getting into boob size. All right, let's go there. And they've Agatha, only been married like a few months, right? <laughs> yeah, they're the only and apparently healthy relationship. They have a drama because anywhere. Evans has been working for Captain Trevelyan forever. And then he's like, I want to get married and um, and can can my wife come and she can also serve you. You don't have to pay us anymore. She'll stay in the house. You won't even see her. She'll do all the cooking. And Captain Trevelyan is like, fuck women. I won't even have one in my mouth and my house. 
And you can't you can't stay in my house anymore if you're married so, to her because um, I hate yeah, women that so, bad. And then yeah, you know, back to uh, when the Willets come and um, are like, "Oh, hey, we're renting your house. You can come by anytime." And you inter- when they interview Mrs. Willett, and she was like, "Yeah, those men." who say that they hate women they're just shy i'm just trying to get him to come he's just shy i'm just gonna keep inviting him until he comes and the inspector's like yeah no he really doesn't want to come or didn't because he was dead by that point (laughs) but she was like you're just shy (laughs) and he was like yeah, there was a couple of women's theory on men that hate women, like that, like confirmed bachelors that hate women. There was a couple of those, like what well, women's theory on that. It was um, always just you know, like shy or jilted when they were all young. Of the single men who lived in these cottages, right? Um, so we had Captain Trevelyan who was single, Major Barnaby who was single, Mister Rycroft who was single, Captain Wyatt who was single, and Mister Duke who was single, and. We knew that Captain Trevelyan was a woman hater because of this, you know, they talked about it. Mr. Rykoff loved women because he would always be like, come by and visit. Um, And um, as a, I do, but. But you think he loved them in a gay way. I thought I saw in the book, but who knows? No, I think I think you're probably better at picking up those references and then, than, um, than I am of the, Major of the era. Barnaby, it was hard to tell because he clearly, like, he showed up to the Willets for tea. Uh, now, the question, uh, did he plan this murder? Obviously, at some point that day, he planned it, right? At some point, he was like, and he okay, got it's the letter snow, that day, I can ski down. That morning, saying you can get, you're going to get 5,000 pounds. But it seemed like I had the same question as you, right, but the seance a, happened kind of like... Right, and Major Burnaby would um, never on the spur of the moment. So he didn't go... Like, when he went to tea, he didn't know the seance was happening. But once they suggested the seance, I think they I were midway through this. the seance, and he was like, wait a minute. Yeah. I think he did, like, a quick calculation in his head, and he figured out, I could use this to my advantage, go down and kill him, keep the $5,000. It seemed like he planned it, but planned right. it in the right, short term right. like planted during the tea yeah he was like, yeah wait a minute so, but this he didn't work out for me yeah because he didn't go over there planning is that what you think too now okay so i have a question about the writing in that tell me if i'm wrong and i and you already tried to make me doubt myself in a good way from what you said, but I felt like every time before when we've had an unreliable narrator, because the, the narrator of this book is completely right, third person. Around. Yeah. It's not anybody's perspective. But I felt like, and the, I went back, you know, I always go back and reread. I felt like the narrator straight up lied to me. Because normally in these books where there's a twist, I go back no, and no, I'm no, like, you- aha, I see how you said that. But this time I went back right, and because was like, said, that fucking he, narrator's so a So two bitch. and a half hours <laughs> later, and he was panting like he a He arrived man at the house, exhausted. his hand was numb. Yeah, so like a man who's exhausted, that was good. But then when it was like his fingers were numb, right? So it, he was the, so numb from the cold. 
I was like, so that when you said it in the way that like he went on a long ass walk around to like get cold enough to show up and look cold enough, I was like, all right, fine. But I, and there was another time when he, before he left the house, he was like, the narrator said Captain Trevelyan wanted to go on his, to check on his friend. And he said as much. And I felt like ooh, it was, I wanted the narrator to, to have right. enough of a like clue murder, that I could go right. back to and say, Cap, or that uh, Barnaby, sorry, I said it wrong, but that Barnaby told everyone he wanted to check on his friend. But I felt like the narrator said Barnaby wanted to check on his friend. Right, right. And he didn't want to check on his friend. He wanted to go kill his friend. So I felt like the you know how you were saying that quote where like the joy is when you go back and you're like damn it i could have seen it and so when i went back and i was like narrator you you find you're on a real thin right. line here like i don't think i could have seen it i think that the well, narrator since the didn't rest give of the book they chance. kept on talking about how major barnaby was a straight shooter he's a straight shooter he's a straight shooter but he's straight up lying and then when he's like did so when the cop and the which is why I like that quote what you said like he arrived and was panting like a man who was exhausted but, and I was like see that was a good one but then when they talk, talking about how cold his hands were I was like but he just left the house like he was like sitting in there for two hours <laughs> smoking a joint after killing his friend yeah. waiting to Although, go out <laughs> yeah I guess that he could have like gone for an hour walk just to you know but anyway but what bothered me so when um, he got the cop and the doctor and they found the dead body and then the doctor says, oh, he was probably killed three hours ago. And then Major Barney begins, not five and 20 past five. And um, they're both like, and the doctor's like, well, yeah, that's probably when I would say he was killed. And he's like, <gasps> you know, and he does this whole thing. And then later the inspector's like, why did you say five and 20 past five? And he's like, no reason. Dun, dun, dun. And then he keeps fighting. And then he finally says, oh, there was this seance of five and 20 past five. It said Trev dead. That's really subtle. And the rest of the book. Right. Like, so he went from right. this straight shooter to this amazing actor. And, okay, so he said this to the inspector and tricked him by his reticence to say this fake story. But he says it to this 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 investigator right. who's very astute overall. And also, during this seance, when he fakes the thing and then has this whole, like, should I go save my friend thing, that guy who turns out, Mr. Duke, who turns out to be the... F- the former chief inspector of Scotland Yard right. is there. All so the he people. snows the former chief inspector right. of Scotland Yard and he snows this investigator who are both very astute and he's just like, oh, I just don't want to talk about it. Like, And they both buy it. And you're right. It's kind of like when the thing was like, you don't want Pro Road to buy the person who's lying i that was the thing i was like why if why was mr duke so at the seance at the original table turning mr duke who turns out to be a retired chief inspector of scotland yard was there and so he didn't notice anything fishy about that right. story right. and neither did and, and, the inspector so that of part, this crime I mean, the fact that they kept on saying he was a straight shooter who 
all of a sudden right, who, becomes and a subtle. very, very good actor. And so it takes this young lady to figure it out. Yeah, and a subtle Because they never would have figured too, it out if it wasn't just for like, her. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, five and 20, fast five. Nothing, nothing. There was nothing about that. I mean, it was like subtle. So, um, right. And it's, it's similar to the last book where the murderer has right. a fake thing they don't want you to they know about. You to... They're pretending, I don't want you to know about my fake thing so that you can right. pull that out of me. Yeah. And so, like, really? Yeah. So that part was the most disappointing. The motive. And the relationship between the two men, I totally bought. And why the murder happened, I totally bought. I mean. And the red herrings were really interesting. Like the right. whole and South Africa, Australia Trevelyan's, connection. Trevelyan's relatives who all have convict. reasons that they need the money. Yeah. I mean, there was those were all super interesting. Um but that was the one part that bothered me was, you know, yeah. wait a minute. Like, because I didn't get the sense that he would be capable of that much subtlety. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, all of a yeah. sudden, he'd be able to snow them but in that way. But overall... That's a really good point. Let's go to the Porsche scale, because we're trying to bring that back. Um, ooh, 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 I do feel thank like you. it's a sliding scale because I feel like my first couple ones I was like oh let's give it to her because it was early but I feel like you know then we readjusted once we got the big four and the last one but you know this is also the Porsche scale so the so scale what is I, whatever the fuck what, you decide it is <laughs> that's why it's the Porsche so scale that's why I didn't give it any one? other name but that or five okay. I think it I think okay. it used to, somewhere in this in the sixth um, range. Because you liked the mystery, you liked the, right, the plot. Right. You just didn't like the book. It was a smart like, you didn't want to reread it, but it was actually yeah. a smart um, mystery. So this one less depressing, also a smart mystery. So my only problem is this, like you know, all of a sudden he's a very subtle person. Yeah, so it's like eight and a half to nine. I mean, it's it's so good. Yeah. I like I like eight eight and a half. <laughs> Not that it's, it's a personal scale, so no, no one asked me. But um, <laughs> what I like is the there's a young woman investigator, right. which is like Who brings us tough and vibes. Cool shingled hair. We rarely we get a have, young. By wo- the way, readers. Right. Yeah, we we were you and I were texting before this because I was like, he said she's shingled. What did that mean? And I was like. <laughs> Yeah, right. like the it's her haircut. Hair readers like, oh. is a 20s, 30s, <laughs> very short haircut because that was, you know, young people back in, then had, yeah. So Emily was a fantastic character. Um, and then she had this like sort of Tommy and Tumpence thing Charles. happening with um, Charles, with Charles. But then Agatha Christie <laughs> is more complex now because she's older. So she's like, she literally knew that she had like more than one person, other character in the book, like other women in the book say, which young men are you going to choose? Because they know that the reader and the neighbors right, expect her to get with, watching with her and be like, hey, Jim, I saved you from prison. 
you're not going to jail for murder because I'm so smart. But like, hey, I'm going to go off with Charles now, which is what we all wanted for her. And then she's like, no, I want to go with the I'm going to date. I'm going <laughs> to date down. So I'm going to marry down because then he'll be loyal. Are you? Well, were you not? Like, I Charles- literally like went back and was like. There was right, no was redeeming like, characteristics of Jim. Fine. But also, like, he was a fine person, but I didn't see any chemistry, real chemistry between them. Ugh. I mean, it's true. I feel like she, and again, like, I, I, I like this about her. Okay, so you're, not, you're, you're, you're convincing me. Because I like about her in the way that, like, you know, like, being a lesbian, I can be like, oh, I'm in a whole other place than you're at. Right, like sometimes it happens to me where, like, because I'm operating in lesbian world and other people are happy are operating in heterosexual world. Right, we're in totally different worlds. <laughs> right, so she's just like, "Oh, Charles, that's great that you're having this whole ro- romance, but like, I'm not having it with you." And so, to her, him as a young man versus you know Mr. Rycroft versus like every other man she talked to than this is just like you are just a tool that I use to get to where I want to go right and so like I did like the power that she wielded in that where she's just like yeah Charles gonna be like yeah he's just another person who helped me get to where I needed to go and he thinks it's love but so did all these old guys but then you're like, but then her the, the partnership she chooses is the guy who was embezzling, which apparently I'm not supposed to say embezzling. The guy who was borrowing money from his it. employer without the book permission. Never use that word, <laughs> and you know, so I mean, it's true. The guy who was taking which money from his embezzling. employer yeah. without permission, <laughs> and then got arrested for murder. And she had to save him. So she's like, and then, and it seemed like the the lesson of the book was, well, that guy owes you right. one, which is you know, at- or two. So he'll stay in line. And I was like, man, that's dark. Like, man, I I thought it was dark in terms of like relationship because like we never saw a moment where like Jim was like, that gave true. her any the first reason time you meet to Jim. be with him. The inspector shows up his, at his house and he's like, oh my god, you're here to arrest me. And then right, and then Emily's <laughs> always like, like a this. coward. And Jim's like, what? And then he disappears because he's been arrested for the whole rest of the book. So we don't even get to see them together at all. So Right. So when she chooses him, him, you don't know him at all. And we definitely and all you know is him being a chicken brother. Chip. Right, a and steely a steely chicken, a steely and his chicken brother. Chip. They describe him as different. Who's like, right? His brother seems noble. Like at least he will like, right? Break my dad. Out I of just jail. met you, and I'll break your. And he was kind of like bold. Like the police were like, "Where were you?" And he was like, "Nowhere. None of your business. Not breaking and my right, girlfriend's dad, dad out of like, jail. I was there. Yes, that's I was. none of your no, business." So how interesting. Right. I'm so scared. So, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Because they were obviously very different brothers. So when she chooses him, and I felt like both the, and like, I forget the women she was talking to at the end of the book, but there's like, 
you know, the, the woman that she's staying with and the aunt, like she, she, both of the women are like, so which one are you going to choose? And she's like, obviously the loser. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I felt like it may, I think you're reading it differently than I was, but like, I felt like Agatha Christie was like, remember that rom-com I was giving you when I was younger? Yeah, it doesn't work out that great. You got to, you got to date down girl. You got to, you got to go, <laughs> you got to, you gotta get someone beneath you and then it'll work out. Like I felt like she she showed us what she would have oh, given us five years then, ago. Nope. In Charles. And then was like, nah, that's what you think you want, but that ambitious oh, guy is gonna cheat on you. See, okay. Fair. I just was like, you didn't read it the know, same way. Who Emily okay, uh, to be honest, who Emily ended up with was such a afterthought to me like i wanted to know who killed and i was much more interested in the relationship clearly between major burnaby and captain trevelyan who apparently don't have first names um but you know i was much more interested in that relationship <laughs> that's a fascinating relationship emily was a fascinating character but who she ends up like marrying i i didn't care And it was rushed. I would say it was rushed at the end when, when like the book was deciding who she ended up with. Like they, they, they spent time on it, but it was rushed and was at the very end. But two characters were like, right. yeah, which men I are guess... you choosing? And so it, it almost felt overdone because it was like one woman could have said that to her and she's like, oh, I'm choosing this guy. And then like it happened two times in a row. So I felt like she wanted us to un- like she was sort of like you know hitting over the head that like it's not the one you expected it to be i'm not gonna go with the right the, right fair uh, you know, i guess yeah reporter. there was a little bit like but apparently yeah you weren't into the super right, happy because i was more time, you know i like was fascinated about this relationship that they kept on talking about how captain trevelyan and major burnaby were two peas in a pod i think somebody said that about them you know, and so that relationship was much mm-hmm. more interesting to me than who Emily ended up with. Because Emily's a competent person. She might be engaged to three or four different people or be multiple married to different people. She clearly is a competent person. Men come and go. Men She's clearly going to go. be gay. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Men come and go. She's going to be gay later. It's so, fine. like, I, you know, who she ended up I like I like this. I like I like this role reversal with us. You're like, whatever. Who cares? Right. I'm much more interested in the hetero shit she's up to. It's yeah. So let's yeah, talk fair. about the relationship okay. between these men. So is there any other themes? But yeah. Well but my only other theme was like, did you feel lied to A by the narrator? Bit. Did you feel betrayed? Because in the other books where there was a twist. I went back right. and was like, like you totally Mar- showed Roger me Ackroyd? that oh, you were yeah. lying it's to me, bad. and I didn't want to see it. Roger Ackroyd, they brown showed suit. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the man in the yeah man in the brown suit. Yeah, I went back and was like, you totally told me you were lying to me, and I didn't want to see it. But in this one, I was like, <laughs> right, hey, you might have just been lying to me, and and, <laughs> and there was no character to the narrator the Neutral. character the narrator was supposed yeah, so to be the phrase like third person the man was supposed to be right. neutral so, so i was like, like it was a real fine line exhausted 
that one works. But then you're right when he's like, my that one worked. Cold I like that one. Two hours. No, no, no. You weren't out here for two hours. You lying sack of shit. And when he was like, he was worried about his friend. He wanted to go check on his friend. And he told everybody such. That was the narrator saying that. So instead of, like, I wish I wanted the narrator to, to have said, said he wanted to go Barnaby told everybody that he wanted to go check on his friend. I wanted it to be a little bit more precise in the language so that when I went right, back, yeah. I could have been like, I should have seen it all along. But yeah. when I went and back, so I was that, like, no, know, yeah, I can see right, why I didn't see what it. Makes, what makes it's like you lying ass narrator so satisfying <laughs> is when you go, oh, and this one you didn't go, oh, you went, whoa. And yeah. <clears throat> right. But it was a really good plot. Like the the, the the skiing, like how you can get six miles downhill in ten, 10 minutes when it would take you two hours to walk, like that was brilliant. Like skiing as a mechanism as, you know, neither of us are good skiers, but as Nordic heritage, I think we're both excited about we like, have skiing been on being skis, the mechanism of murder. Our, our parents didn't take us downhill skiing. They took us cross-country skiing. Which is just sweating just in exercise. snow. It's so much sweating. It's just so much work. Although the, the, the Norwegians Somehow, make it look easy. Like so it's something it, about... It's just sweating and snow. Us. And I've only gone... You put out on the yeah, skis so and she we, looks but like we a, just would like angel. Yeah. So, But I've only been downhill skiing once and it weirded me out <laughs> because you can't lift up your heels. And so it's like wearing incredibly large shoes. And then you trip on your own feet. I mean, yeah. So, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, skiing, skiing as a mechanism was fun because it was like, you couldn't get there in a car because there's too much snow. You couldn't walk there. It would take you two hours. How else could you get there? And that part, skis. Like that was fun. Cause like, it was like, talked about how he that had skis was... and Captain Trevelyan had skis. They mentioned it. that part was definitely like, Oh, skiing. And that was super fun. And I actually was thinking, I was like, if I knew more about skiing, I would have been able to figure this out because I'd been like, aha, it's downhill. Yeah. Six miles downhill. You could do really quickly. So that, that was really fun. And the, and I thought that the play on the, 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 the Willis woman, what is her name? Oh, oh, the Willis, the Willits, the women. Willets, yeah. So the Willets, um, them being like pretending to be South African when they were really Australian, and the way that the you know audiobook reader pulled that off, I was like, brilliant! Like that, that was brilliant. Because I was like, why is he doing so weird with his accent? Because he was literally See, doing weird with the purpose of like a lot of the, and all of and the red herrings were red really herrings. interesting. And you know, now that I'm doing this, with- like all the red herrings. But they weren't dumb red herrings. Like they, they were all like really good reasons you know, why the doing kid, this with why, you, why the guy might have been killed. There's something that Hiaku Poirot said, has said, and I can't remember which book. But like everybody is lying. I just have to figure out if the lie has to do with the murder or not, and I can't remember which. But then, right, and that's what this felt like. Everyone was lying, but you have, and like a lot of them didn't have anything to do with you the have murder. To figure out why, figure, like in the 
Yeah, totally. And I thought this this was a good demonstration of like everyone's lying, but not everything has to do with the murder. Like like you said, it, it reminded yeah, me of that. When did too. he say that? He said that to the murder of Roger Ackroyd, didn't he? Because um, it was. Mm-hmm. And he was like, everyone in this room and knows then something. It was even the narrator that who you're turned not out to me. be the murderer. But um, but yeah, this idea that around a murder, it's not going to be a simple this person there's a lot of other messiness going on um and in this case there was a lot of other messiness in this and it just turned out the same person who was like i'm gonna go see my friend was the guy who did it you know what i mean like it's a lot of right right and in the in the end of the day i kind of liked that it was like the partner was the killer because it was, and I didn't, you took it even more home in terms of like them being more partners than I thought about, but it was like the person, the person closest to the person is the one that killed him. And that's usually and what also happens in, in real life, and right? Also like it's the person who's the primary person in your life. It's usually, they talk about it, how it's usually the partner. Um, right. And so, yeah, so I thought that was really interesting, but I didn't even think about the way that they really, until you brought it up, the way they were really, you know, life partners for years and years and decades. Years and years and decades. Um, <laughs> no. no, well, I should have just said decades to start no, with. No, I got... The reason I'm laughing is because oh. um, I read a lot of children's books right now because, as you guys know, I, I have kids who are about a year and a half old. <laughs> And Where the Wild Things Are, right, which is a classic book, um, you know, uh-huh. he goes into his room because he's in trouble. And then his room turns into a forest and then a ocean tumbles by and a boat comes by and he sails for over a, a day in and out of weeks and almost over a year to the Where the Wild Things Are. And it's like, wait. Your sense of time is totally crazy, but that's because it's make believe, you know. But it's always kind of like one of those things, like <laughs> that's sort of what I said now with years and years and decades. Well, that's what I was saying. I was, I was starting to right, say years right. and years, and I was like, it was really decades. Like it was really, you know. And I think, you know, being our age, you can right. be like, wait, I've had these friendships for decades. And that was the other thing I actually liked about the book you know, besides the partnership element was to think about friendships and the frenemy right. or enviness, enviousness that might be in relationships and friendships where you could like with a dark view on things, see how this could happen where someone like kills you because they're envious of right, right. Which whatever's is... going on in your life. Or if it's right. like the same right. friend totally. keeps winning when you keep losing. Which, you know, it goes back to the moral of the story is everybody's got to do their own work because if you keep losing yeah. and somebody you love keeps winning, you can't do anything about that. So you got to do your own work. Well, and I, yeah, and knocking down the, your friend or your partner that keeps right. winning. And so, great. but how do you figure <laughs> out? Because then it probably turns out that, whatever the um, standard for winning is, is in your own head. And so like, you have to do your own work. Everybody has to, it's like one of those things we keep figuring out. 
is like we all have to do our own work. I mean, that's what, you know, years of therapy right? has taught all of us is, you know, maybe not, not all of you guys, but it's like you just have to do your own work. <laughs> I'm sure we have a very therapy oriented crowd. All seven of them. <laughs> all seven of them. <laughs> I don't know why I, I like to use it on, on seven, but you know. I was joking about how many of the listens are me. I'm sure we have decades, decades of fans. <laughs> <laughs> tens, tens of, of tens of. I think I also. I, I think I shirked the last time when you said fans. And I was like. I listen to podcasts that I'm not necessarily a fan listeners. of. So I think I think we need to call them listeners because they can oh. they can hate listen. What if they're like totally hate <laughs> listening and they're just like they're so dumb? I want to hear the next one. Like you might not be a fan, oh, but a you could point. still be a listener. They might be like, oh my god, these guys have no idea what they're talking. I what got shy when you about? said they fans. have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> Which, you know, fair. <laughs> okay, so I'm just looking to see what's next. About the next book. Okay, so we've got a couple of choices, and I wanna, I'm going to make a proposal here, um, here live on the recording. <laughs> I'm excited. So The Mysterious Mr. Quinn is a um, collection of stories about Harlequin. Like... The character Harlequin, and it's creepy, mysterious stories. Wait, who ends up in Now Times Media, Harlequin? Um, I'd be curious to see what you think. It's a male, but it's... Um, oh, it's a male. It's a male har- mis- a Harlequin, yeah. But um, like, in terms of like the, the person who's associated with the Joker... Um, in this, is that the origin of I that don't name? Know. I, I don't how can know. We not, how can we not look at this one? I know. And then we also have the collection of Miss Marple's um, 13 Problems, the Tuesday Club Murders, which we were going we to do. do yeah. I mean, I want to do that one. I already read that one, but we got to do Harley Quinn next. Oh, yeah. So it's called The Mysterious Mr. Quinn. It's a collection of stories. And some of them are mysteries and some of them are just creepy stories. Ooh, I'm into it. We got to do it. I okay. still want to do the Miss Marbles. We got to do that. The, the mysterious uh. Mr. Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're on it. yeah. And it was published in 30. So it was actually a year before she was writing fast and furious during this time, the thirties, she was just like on it. So, um, yeah, because that was 30, and then we just read two that were in 31, and the 13 Problems was in 32. So she was turning them out. Wow. She was turning them out, and they were complicated. You know, like these are not um, simple stories. You know, it's one of those things about uh, writing a mystery plot and then being like, wait a minute, how did we get here? So, um, anyway. Okay, so, yeah. Mr. Harley Quinn. Yeah, so I'll be curious to think what you think of, especially I didn't know about the, uh, you know, female Joker connection, and I'm thinking 
Yeah, I, I'm, that'd be curious to research, like, if that, those um, comics were written before or after her stuff was written about. Yeah, that'd be interesting. So anyway, that'd be the next right, one cool. we do. So uh, All right. yeah, stay tuned, our seven listeners. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, Portia. Thank you for listening to Praro Pod. Bravo, bud.